Welcome to the Doctors Hospital Podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Burrows, Marketing Director at Doctors Hospital. In the Bahamas and around the world, March is recognized as Kidney Awareness Month. As a part of our conversations and education around kidney awareness this month, we are pleased today to be joined on the Doctors Hospital podcast by consultant, internist, nephrologist, and clinical director of renal replacement services here at Doctors Hospital, Dr. Frederick Smith. Dr. Smith, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Before we get started, here's some information about Doctors Hospital's pharmacy's new initiative, Pick up now, pay later. Doctors Hospitals Pharmacy introduces a new spin on prescriptions called Pick Up Now, Pay Later. That's right, you can collect your medications first and pay after. How does it work? Step one, submit a prescription online. Step two, select a pickup site. Step three, collect your medication. And step four, pay online within 14 days. For more info, call us at 242-302-4785 or visit us at doctorshospital.com. So today we want to talk about Kidney Awareness Month, nephrology, all things in that space. But before we get into the meat of that conversation, I guess I want to just start at the baseline and ask you, you know, what is nephrology? So nephro, kidney, and ology study of. So nephrology is the study of the kidneys. So it's the medical component to urology, which is the surgical component of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as a nephrologist, um, I guess in the internist side of things, uh, what is your role as a nephrologist? So as a nephrologist, we are responsible for taking care of kidney health for people that are actually on dialysis or are receiving renal replacement therapy. And that can be the dialysis, whether that is peritoneal dialysis or hemodialysis, whether it is that they have had a transplant and that gives us the three modalities of renal replacement therapy. But we're also responsible for taking care of acute kidney injury as well. So somebody may come in and their, their kidney function was normal and then they've had some insult, i.e. some medication, some infection, um, some toxin, and their kidney function went off, and we're involved in helping to take care of those persons as well. We're also responsible or for help or responsible to help take care of people that are in the in-between where they may have some degree of chronic kidney injury that's done and that means basically function that has been off for greater than three months and also if they had the chronic kidney injury and then something on top of it so we call that acute on chronic okay now i know um in in the bahamas in our local environment we tend to have a culture that lends itself to self-diagnosis and self-care. Um, what warning signs should, you know, individuals who subscribe to that culture look out for? So in short, you know, when do you go from trying to self-diagnose and self-treat to seeing a, a nephrologist? So I'm going to try to dispel that myth from the very beginning. I'm going to try to dispel that cultural kind of thought process from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I think that we should stop trying to self-diagnose and leave that to the professionals, or i.e., leave it to the physicians, mm-hmm. and we should do our 
yearly checks or um, our annuals, our physicals, mm -hmm. or we should do do that whether it's yearly or whatever is recommended for age, whatever is recommended for the medical condition. So my first plug is to dispel that that concept that we can self-diagnose and we, and we then know when to go to the doctor ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think what we should do is follow our primary care regimes. Okay. Now, for those uh, for those that aren't going to listen to my plea to, <laughs> to dispel those things, then there are a few things that you can look at, and although they're not particularly specific to kidney disease, because it can happen with most end organ damage or most organ damages, or organ damage, mm -hmm. you can get swelling of the feet. You can get um, tremors of the hand. You can get change in the color of the skin. Mm -hmm. You can see the urine, and the urine becomes a little bit more bubbly than usual, suggesting that there's some protein in the urine. You can start to have a change in your appetite. You can have it start to lose weight or gain weight. You can start to even have a difference in taste to particular types of food. I, I think they, they, they say that when you are one of the telltales is that when you have chronic kidney disease, the food starts to, I think they say, have a metallic type of taste to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are some of the um, some of the signs that people can kind of be on the lookout for to say, hey, I, I might need to go in and, and talk to my physician if it's not time for my annual or, or something along those lines. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so you mentioned the, the annuals. Um, I know in, in kind of doing some research for our conversation today, I came across a couple of different tests that I saw that people kind of espouse as things that people should be doing. Um, so one of the things I came across was the ACR urine test and the GFR blood test. Um, how critical are those um, tests? And, you know, is it something that you should be doing annual? Um, is it something that you should be doing more often, less frequently? What, what are those um, and how do they impact this process of, of figuring things out and, and getting care? So in the, what you're calling is the, with the protein in the urine, mm -hmm. I, I have actually almost, although not guideline driven, but that is now experience driven. Almost everybody that comes to my office gets a urine test and the suggestion is to look each time. So I use it as a, almost a fifth vital sign. Mm -hmm. So I probably do it more than others would, but then that's just personal preference. Mm -hmm. The guidelines don't necessarily say we need to do that until there's a thought that something may be wrong or some or there's a need for it, i.e. the diabetic and you want to check the glucose and protein in the urine. In regards to your estimated GFR, again, that's going to be dependent on what your comorbidities are. Mm -hmm. That's going to be dependent on how often your doctors are doing other tests for you because... Most times now that once you've taken off some of the chemistry tests, depending on what the panel is, the estimated GFI will come with that in any regard. Okay. Um, but from your perspective, I mean, if you're saying you're, you're taking the, the urine test as a, as a fifth vital, that means from your perspective, that's pretty critical in, in the overall process of um, being able to find and an establish a diagnosis as quickly as possible. Well, you know that there's a saying that pain is a sign that something's wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to change that phrase a little bit and saying that protein in the urine is a sign that something is wrong. So mm -hmm. the earlier you catch it, the better. Right. Because then you are able to investigate plus or minus treats. 
in, in an earlier stage of kidney disease, hopefully. Right. And I mean, I imagine we, we've done, we've been doing the podcast for, I think, about two, two and a half years now. And I think that's one of the things that is a recurring theme um, is being able to, to find out um, quickly and early if there's something going on is, is probably one of the most com- critical components of healthcare. Um, because the earlier you find anything that's wrong, you know, the, the better chance you have to, to fight it and to treat it um, appropriately. And, and if I might add, not just treat, but sometimes even cure. Right. Right. Because, I mean, that's the other thing through too, right? Um, I feel like, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of discussion around treatment, but if we have the opportunity to cure, then by all means, that's what we should be trying to do as well. Um, Absolutely. So I know you mentioned earlier, um, you know, you, you kind of touched very briefly on primary care um, and kind of the, the, the multi-system or, or multi-layered approach to kind of walking through this process. So I know from even the way our system works in, in doctor's hospital, there's a lot of interconnectivity between um, nephrology, uh, cardiovascular care, primary care, bariatric, and, and, and all those teams and how they play together. Um, can you explain why those relationships are so critical to battling kidney disease? So I, I think that, and, and I guess I digress a little bit, but I think that primary care is, is important not just for kidney disease, but for every disease. Mm-hmm. The primary care physician is the one who's going to have the most intimate contact with the patient because they're the ones who they build the relationships with. And we tend to be consults and get to know the patient after something's gone amiss or it's a part of the screen and they, they, there's something that's wrong and they want us to assist it. Or even if it's the, the, the progression of, okay, this is the diabetic and they've had diabetes for so long, let's see the next step and we get involved in the care that way. It, it is imperative for us to have a good primary care. If we don't have primary care, then what we're doing is waiting to things come to a tertiary level or hospital type of setting where mm-hmm. it's off times too late. Right. So primary care is going to assist with the management of comorbidities, um, whether that is obesity, as simple as obesity, mm-hmm. whether that is non-communicable, other non-communicable diseases, communicable diseases, family, family care or family practice typically picks that up quicker than we do. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Sorry, it's, it's since really, we're digressing. Really <laughs> yeah, since we're digressing. I think that's just relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, a lady that has gone to her primary care for years and years will have a better relationship than the person who they're um, being referred to. A, a person that has gone to their primary care for all that time, they're... Mm-hmm some little nuances that the primary care will pick up after knowing somebody for years. You know, you might be putting on weight, but the way that that foot looks, that's probably more than just weight that may be some fluid in there. Mm-hmm. And so they just know the patients a bit better. Right. Um, they get to know families, mm-hmm. the whole family. Right, which I imagine then gives them insight in terms of, of knowing some of the family history um, kind of built in from having conversations with, with people over the course of time. So I, I imagine someone who's had, you know, the same primary care physician as their parents may have had, there's a lot of information that that physician is then armed with when they're dealing with the current patient. And knowledge is power. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Um, 
And I think that's something that we don't we don't talk about enough. And I know we have um, Dr. Warner Rogers, who is responsible for that particular area of the hospital. I think you know it's it's high time we get her on the podcast to kind of talk in a in a lot more detail about the importance of primary care and where that where that fits in the overall um, treatment process for patients. Um, but but moving back into you know our conversation around kidney health in particular, one of the other things I came across in my um, research was this thing called NSAIDs and how they have an impact on kidney health. So NSAID, from what I could find, is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. So what impact does that have on kidney health? So painkillers. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what that that's it. The, the NSAIDs are a class of painkillers, or so what we use for painkillers. Um, they can cause damage to the kidney. They cause some of them cause like what we call an interstitial nephritis. Mm-hmm. What it does is, after using it for so long, it causes some damage to the kidney, giving that death, that that disease of interstitial nephritis, which can then go on to from acute disease to more chronic disease. So it is. So we so we must be careful of not just the volume of NSAIDs, but the duration of usage of NSAIDs as well. Okay, understood. Um, speaking to you know things that impact. Um kidney health and, and that sort of thing. One of the things, obviously, you know, in our culture, um, in terms of from a dietary standpoint, processed foods, um, high levels of sodium, um, high carb, all of those types of, of, of eating habits um, play a huge role in our diet. How do you, as a physician, kind of explain the correlation between poor eating habits and overall health? So, I go back to USRDS data. So at one point they were saying diabetes is the number one cause of kidney disease, and they talked about hypertension, and those two flip flops for a little bit. But if we really sit back and think about it, I think in our population, the number one cause, or close to being the number one cause, could be something called metabolic syndrome. Mm-hmm. Metabolic syndrome going into some of the older parameters are body mass index being elevated greater than 30. We look at the next size, we look at the the risk to, to diabetes or impaired glucose tolerance, the blood pressure being off as well, a little bit, some inflammatory markers. And that is the way I sell it. I sell it as these are the things that we do traditionally. We eat two meats and three sides, macaroni, potato salad, and rice on a Sunday. Right. If we cut back and then we have to buy them out to go along with it, right? Mm-hmm. Or a Coke soda. <laughs> so my way of selling it is these things are going to put more damage to the kidney mm-hmm. just because of the burden. So there is a formula that we use to calculate kidney function, the Cockroft gold formula. And one of the things in that is weight. Mm-hmm. So weight puts a burden on the kidney because we're pretty much born with all of the nephrons that we're going to have. So we're pretty much born with the functional units that we're going to have. And then by using, and then the extra weight does is just put a little extra stress on top of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just more likely or the, the likelihood of kidney disease earlier becomes more common. Mm-hmm. You know, we, <clears throat> you talked about things like the, the NSAIDs and, and um, diet, but how, how big of a role does, um, I guess, hereditary 
um, that I, I guess kind of passing down from from one person to another. So genetics, how big of a role does genetics and, and the potential of it being a hereditary issue play in in kidney health and kidney disease? So, like most diseases, there are genetic components of kidney disease. So we go back to the whole thing, nurture versus nature. Mm-hmm. So there are some genetic can, can kidney diseases that we uh, that we know exist, um, and we can help to slow progression to a lot of them once they've been diagnosed. But what we can do, and again, I'm going back to that nature, sorry, to that nurture. What we can do is we can slow progression by our lifestyle changes, whether that's the weight loss, mm-hmm. whether that is exercise whether that's the low-salt diet, whether that's the avoidance of turning loose to NSAIDs or non-steroid inflammatory agents, um, whether that's the being careful with the herbal things that we use because there are, there, there are herbal products that can cause kidney disease. Mm. We have herbal properties. So I, I think that is the way that I kind of push that and say, Yes, there's some gen- genetic things, and we're not going to run from that. Right. There's some genetic predispositions. There are some genetic d- diseases. However, let's do the things that we can in terms of the nurture, the slow progression, and uh, you know, make it a little better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, you, we've talked about you know tests and 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 food and health regimens and that sort of thing. Um, where does exercise fit in, in the overall um, gamut? I know you mentioned it just now, but where does that fit in terms of playing a, a role in, in managing or maintaining health? I mean, obviously we're talking about kidney health in particular, but just on a broad scale even. So I, I'll go back to the same to the same thought process, metabolic syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way to help to prevent metabolic syndrome is lifestyle change. It's what you eat, how much you eat, when you eat, it's exercise or lack thereof, more importantly. And if we change those things, then I want to say that we can help to change the outcomes in our general health as well as some organ-specific health as well. Right. You know, I know one of the things you mentioned in, in, in talking about the food part of it, I know, and I, I think you and I have had conversations, um, and I think I've heard you give lectures once or twice in this space um, and one of the things that you always mention is that idea of, you know, the two, the two meats and, and the three sides and the sugary drink and all of that, that sort of thing in terms of that, that Sunday ritual, Sunday dinner. Um, but I guess taking a very broad level bird's eye view as we kind of wrap up our conversation, you know, what do you say to, to, to individuals who may be listening who are unsure of like, what are the different things that they should be doing um, to improve their overall kidney health or their overall health in general? So overall health in general, I think that, that that's the easier the easier target and I think that's the true target mm-hmm. because then everything should follow thereafter. Mm-hmm. And in the same vein, it's your primary care physician, it's your it's the referral base to other physicians in different subspecialties because what you need to do for heart disease may be a little different from kidney disease, which you need to do little from liver disease. However, there's some general tenets that stay the same. And on top of that, there are numerous nutritionists or dietitians. And I think Doctors Hospital Health Services just broadened their horizon with that either, either as well or even a little bit more, mm-hmm. where you 
I was somebody that has training almost like in that medical component of it. Mm -hmm. So they can help you navigate through the diet that's appropriate for weight loss versus the diet that's appropriate for kidney disease because there's some things that you need to pull out or cut back on as opposed to heart disease where you want to cut back on the fluids sometimes and do some other things. Right. And, and I think that that's, that's the way forward. forward. It's a multidisciplinary approach. Primary care, dietet dietetics, your referral-based nephrologists, cardiologists, mm -hmm. um, is exercise groups, it's our churches becoming involved. Um, even when we, and, and think about it, when you go to churches and they have functions, you know, they still doing these big dinners, mm -hmm. peas and rice and everything else. It's our church now helping to educate a little bit more since they have a direct um, contact with people and, and offering a healthier alternative. Right. I mean, I think a, a critical thing, too, I mean, it's something that we've been doing things like this, the, the podcast, the lecture series, um, the, the virtual webinars. You know, we've been doing, I feel like, a fair amount and trying to educate you know, our, our listeners and people in, in the, the general community so that they kind of, you know, they, they understand a bit better and a bit more. Um, and I do think that that um, that plug of, of primary care as the starting point as, and it's kind of like the most critical component um, to, you know, your overall health outside of what you're doing in your in your own life in terms of, you know, your eating habits, your your, your exercising habits, your lifestyles, those sort of things. I think that that first point of having a primary care physician that you go to on a regular basis, um, who's able to kind of have insight into your overall health is, is a critical component to the overall conversation. Um, now I know, I think you and I have spoken, I think we are geared up to do a, a lecture next week, Thursday on the 17th, is that correct? It'll be my pleasure. All right. So we'll take an opportunity to plug that. So if you're listening to the podcast on um, Thursday, March 17th, we're going to have a um, live virtual webinar featuring Dr. Smith talking through um, some of these and expanding a bit more um, into kidney awareness and nephrology overall. Um, so we invite you to, to take a listen to the webinar. You have an opportunity to ask him questions as well through that process. Uh, so I want to thank you, Dr. Smith. Is there anything else you want to leave with our listeners before we um, before we wrap up? Lifestyle, lifestyle, lifestyle. Let's do some lifestyle changes. All right. All right. So thank you so much for your time. I'm sure you have a, a busy schedule, so we're happy you had a chance to stop by and kind of talk with us today. And we look forward to hearing some more from you at the um, live webinar for the lecture next week, Thursday. Thanks very much. See you then. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Doctors Hospital podcast. Uh, we were pleased to be joined today by Dr. Frederick Smith, who had a, quite a, an interesting conversation through some of the basics of nephrology and kidney health um, as we recognize Kidney Awareness Month this month in March. Um, I, again, I'm thankful to Dr. Smith for taking time out of his busy schedule to, to talk with us today, and I'm sure um, our listeners are appreciative as well. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the show, and we invite you to like, comment, subscribe, and share, and we'll see you here next week on the Doctors Hospital podcast, where we will have Doctors Hospital's new Director of Nutrition and Dietary Services, Mrs. Yvette Andrew Strawn, who's going to be talking about National Nutrition Month, which is also celebrated in March. So we look forward to seeing you again next time, next week on the Doctors Hospital podcast. Doctors Hospital is proud to announce the launch of our Infusion Center. 
This center is available for patients in need of IV hydration and nutrition therapy, blood products, long-term antibiotics, and specialized medicines for a spectrum of diseases across multiple specialties, including rheumatology, dermatology, gastroenterology, and endocrinology. We also provide the latest in therapeutic options for COVID-positive patients. Why choose Doctors Hospital? We provide quality, highly specialized care with Doctors Hospital physicians and trained infusion nurses you can trust. Seamless medication approval through our pharmacy and registration services, a safe and comfortable environment, cost-saving benefits with copay waived on medications for insured LAMP members, payment plans for the uninsured, and immediate access to emergency services. We're located at the Luton Building on Daswell Street. For more information, contact us at 242-302-3323 or email us at infusioncenter at doctorshosp.com. Doctors Hospital, trusted and best care now. Isn't your health worth it?